Let's get into it then. All right. Awesome sauce. I ask that the gods and goddesses of our respective paths bless this circle so that we may be free and protected within this space. And if you have this one word, pagan or paganism. For the pagan community. Exactly. Right. The, the big umbrella. And that was fucking fantastic. Of the podcast ever. We're three pagans. Exactly. We're three pagans. And a cat. And may the works this day of be of the highest good for all present and those listening. So mote it be. The circle is cast. Hail Dictinus. Grant us strong sound, clear voices, and good reads. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Welcome to May You Never Hunger, the 172nd episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of the King James Translation. Thanks to Velocity Rose for our intro music. You can find more of their work at VelociRose.com. You may call me Ode. You can call me Carr. I'm Ode's father. Mary Meat, my name is Gwyn Ode's mother. And I knew that reference. <laughs> I heard that shit, you quoted up. the King James Version on a pagan podcast. Listen. <laughs> perfect. If I'm going to quote any version of the Bible, it's going to be the King James one, because even though I know it is less accurate, it is more poetic, and therefore I choose it. That's why a lot of people (laughs) like it, because it's pretty, and it's easier to memorize, because it's poetic. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Housekeeping. We have three new hunters. Oh, welcome, hunters. Cameron Grant, Brianna Beep Boop is back, and Michaela. Yay! Welcome to our newest hunters. And our, re- and our one returning hunter. And our returning <laughs> beep boop. We love you. And then we have some sad news. Not too long ago, we announced that we were going to convocation. And that we would be teaching there. Huh? This last week we learned convocation has been canceled. Yes. But 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 all of that is still true. <laughs> right. We're doing it in February of 2023. It's Yeah, yes. so they just, they just basically picked up this year's convocation and moved it to next year. And we're hoping that we will actually be able to do convocation next year. Fingers crossed. Yes. Lovely COVID mm-hmm. will not, you know, come up with another surprise for us in right. next year. Let's hope Omicron is the last of the yes. COVID adventures. So we're not going this year. Yes. We're going next year. But I do understand that if you did buy a ticket, mm-hmm. they are refunding tickets if you want a refund. But you are going to need to deal with the hotel mm-hmm. yourself. If you booked rooms at the hotel, you're going to have to reach out to the hotel and yeah. get that sorted out. I really do want to commend the MEC who are in charge of convocation mm-hmm. for making a decision that is geared toward protecting people. You know, they, they right. just It's not knew. the fun choice. It's not the fun choice, but it is the right choice. And so I just want to commend them for doing that because it could not have been easy. They knew yeah. a lot of people were going to be disappointed. Yep. So that said, on the 24th, 25th, and 26th of February, rather than being at Convocation, I personally will be at Nordic Fire Festival in Charlotte. That's, That's right. right. I forgot that was the same weekend. Yep. So now I'm going to that. Okay. Fair enough. So if you can get to Nordic Fire Fest, you can see Car there. That's right. Representing Norse Nectars. Norse. I won't be serving it. I will be there to talk about it. Excellent. And Swan says, I'll be there to annoy him. So you can look forward to Swan, Car. The war continues. I have to say, it was kind of hilarious. This past Saturday, Valhalla hosted a fundraiser for Stan Newcomb, Mm -hmm. who is basically the Mm owner-proprietor of Wolf Run. Wildlife Sanctuary and Nature Preserve. We went to this this fundraiser, Mm -hmm. and Swan was there. Yes. I got to sit with Swan the whole evening. It was wonderful. But Carr actually got a bunch of people to call her Schwan. Uh-huh. So it was kind of hilarious, I just got to say. I did yell it out <laughs> across the entire place. He did. He he yelled it out and got other people saying it too. Uh-huh. Because was, of course he did. Because of course he did. If you can still hear that my voice is a little fucked up, that's because I was sick last week and that's why we didn't have an episode last week. Yep. Also, uh, I'm going to try to cut out any coughing that I do during this episode, but if I don't catch it all, that's why. So hopefully I'll get it all out in the edit. Fingers crossed. But I think that's it for housekeeping. Pretty sure. Yeah. So disappointment about convocation, but yep. we did want to talk about Stan's fundraiser. Yes. Uh, Stan has a GoFundMe, which is going to be linked in the episode notes for this episode in the description. Stan has been dealing with a lot of really serious health problems with mm-hmm. no health insurance. Because I believe he lost his job because of the health because problems. Because of the health problems, mm-hmm. which we won't get into. You can read the whole story on the GoFundMe page if, right. if you're concerned about that. But Stan has been dealing with a lot of issues. He was in the hospital again as recently as January 
first. Mm -hmm. He is a really, a really cool person, uh, an important fixture in the pagan community. He's done a lot for a lot of people. He really has. Aside from just, you know, keeping Wolf Run running. Which is a beautiful place. We've talked to you about that before. Mm -hmm. You know, it wouldn't really exist without Stan and his Mm -hmm. wife. And we interviewed Stan that I, I know for sure it's on our YouTube. It may also be in the podcast. I think it's on the podcast somewhere. I don't remember off the top of my head which episode it is, but we did absolutely do an interview with Stan, which he was very nervous about. Yes. He did a great job in the interview, but he was so nervous going into it because he's not like, he doesn't like public speaking. Mm-hmm. He's kind of a behind the scenes mm-hmm. facilitator of yeah. things. So you may not have met Stan, but Stan has probably had his fingers in something that you've uh, participated in if you're a Midwest pagan. Mm-hmm. So he's dealing with a lot of medical issues. And that's why we had this fundraiser mm-hmm. with a, a silent auction to raise some money for that. It was a wonderful evening mm-hmm. and they we raised quite a bit of money. Yeah. They're, he's very, very close finally after ages and ages because we talked about Stan's GoFundMe months ago mm-hmm. and it, it just kind of stalled over time. But he's very, very close now to, to reaching his goal. So mm-hmm. we're going to put the GoFundMe in the episode notes again. Just really encourage anybody who has a little bit of disposable income this month to just put it towards Stan's GoFundMe. Even just $5. Mm-hmm. Just you know, It all adds up. It all adds up. I will say that Stan has actually gone over that amount now. Okay. But I can Good. guarantee to you he needs more than that. Oh, yeah. yeah. See how far we can take it over. Mm-hmm. Right. Because medical debt in this country is uh, atrocious. Yeah. Yeah. So we got the uh, cash that we raised uh, ended up in there. Yeah. So the cash that we raised off of the, the auction was $1,310. That's great. Yeah. So, and then I believe there was another probably over a thousand yeah that went straight to Mm -hmm. the gofundme and digital yeah exactly but just because the goal has been raised doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that he doesn't need more so like i said let's see how much farther over the goal we can make it Mm -hmm. yep all right i believe that's it for housekeeping i think so okay we are house kept and house swept yay somewhat topically we yes. are we are going to be discussing the subjects of hospitality and community obligations mm-hmm. in paganism mm-hmm. because those are topics that are foundational in a lot of religions and in a lot of cultures, but that I think we have lost the thread of a little bit in the modern day, at least in modern day America, because we live in a very individualized society. And some of the the hospitality rules that used to exist are no longer relevant today because we have industries that handle those things, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So like in ancient Greece, there is a concept called xenia. It's usually translated as guest friendship or ritual friendship, which was a system of social more than legal norms that established whenever a, a stranger came to your house, they had certain rights as a guest and you had certain rights as a host. So a guest had the right to shelter, food, drink, safety within your house. And it was considered very, very rude to even ask what someone's name was before you would at least fed them Mm -hmm. because that might introduce some interpersonal bias into the equation. And your duty as a host was to protect and shelter this person, not to demand to know who they were and where they came from, right? Right. Then as the host, you had certain rights. You had a right to your guests not bringing a threat to you or an undue burden. Mm -hmm. And the guest was obliged to bring you stories and news from wherever they had come from. That makes sense. And there are similar principles to Xenia in cultures across the world. Oh, yeah. Very, many, many cultures. I was just thinking, I, I know, I don't know specifically what it was. In the Bible, the Hebrews had a culture of hospitality, different things that they needed to observe. There is a tradition in Japan of guests and host obligations. Mm-hmm. There's a tradition in lots of Slavic countries, especially. The thing was bread and salt, because salt back in the day was very, very expensive. Mm-hmm. It was a very valuable thing. Mm-hmm. You would greet a guest with a loaf of bread with some salt that had been sprinkled on the top as a gift to show that you were, that you as a host valued their presence, Mm -hmm. right? Interesting interplay here. In fiction, the idea of bread and salt has been really like picked up and incorporated into more Greco-Roman Xenia traditions. Mm -hmm. So like the the really big popular example is in uh, Game of Thrones. In Game of Thrones, it is actually a culturally enshrined norm 
that if you break bread and salt in someone's house, you are morally obliged to do them no harm. Mm. So there's all these interplays of people like trying to shove bread and salt at people <laughs> who, might, the point. who might be dangerous <laughs> coming into their house, like eat and have salt so that you can't hurt me. That's so funny. I'm, I'm thinking of, for those of you who are fans of It's a Wonderful Life, mm -hmm. there is a scene where they're dedicating a house that George Bailey's company has built. And they do this little ceremony where they present bread and salt and wine. Yep to uh, honor their new home yeah. and to bring favor to them. It's a, a cultural blessing kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And you find variations on it in many, many cultures. Mm -hmm. the, they do bread and salt in Russia. They do it in Iran. They do it in lots and lots of Slavic countries. They do it in Finland. Sometimes it has subtly different meanings. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you'll see the bread and salt in one for housewarming. Sometimes it's a guest right thing. Sometimes it's for new marriages. Mm -hmm. But it's a tradition that has sort of independently cropped up in a lot of different cultures that if you feed someone, you are creating a bond between you. Mm -hmm. And in Roman tradition in particular, so in Greece, the subject of Xenia was very social and religious. It wasn't legally enshrined anywhere necessarily. Mm -hmm. Like you couldn't take someone to court for not upholding their guest obligations. Mm -hmm. But it was uh, a social and a moral norm. And if you broke it, you were considered to sort of bring the wrath of the gods down on you. Mm -hmm. And that enforced things. But right. in Rome, they liked systems. Yes, so they enshrined all this legally. Mm -hmm. They did a really interesting thing where a guest would come to your house, you would be obliged to give them all of the, the guest rights and obligations that they sort of inherited from Greece, all the Xenia mm -hmm. things. And then as long as everyone met their obligations while they were staying at your house, at the end of their stay when they were moving on, mm -hmm. which sometimes you were obliged to escort them to their next destination, there was a token that you would break in half and you, the host, would keep one half and the guest would keep the other half so that it could be re-identified when you came into contact again. Like those friendship things. Yes, now. like friendship bracelets. Exactly yeah. like friendship bracelets. And if the host then was traveling and went to the guest's house, they could present, they the, could token. present the token and they would have this match to be like, oh, I know you treated me well when I was in your house. Even mm -hmm. if I don't like specifically remember you, we have this token to prove that I was well treated when I was in your house. So now I have to treat you the same way now that you're in my house. Quite um, clever. The Romans were so clever. They were. And those were hereditary. Oh, okay. So you could pass your guest token on to your children and they could take it to your host's family, like a generation or two down the line and expect and the, expect same, expect treatment. the same treatment that you got from them. That's very cool, actually. Yeah. They would use those tokens in legal proceedings if someone didn't meet their obligations. Wow. And isn't it interesting that something like that from ancient Rome became friendship bracelets mm -hmm. and necklaces with those little hearts. Yeah, that you just you know, break in half. Break in, you know, they're broken in half and you put them together and best friends and, you know, mm -hmm. one... One person has one half, and, but we've totally lost the meaning yeah. behind it. That's so interesting that there's still a remnant mm -hmm. of, of that. This, of this principle. Of this principle, even if it's not done correctly. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be the norm for most things, though. Yeah. Like, we still have a piece of it, but we really don't know what any of it means. Right. We don't yeah. know where it came from. We just know right. it's a thing we do. Mm -hmm. yep. Part of the reason I think that was more important in the ancient world than it is today mm -hmm. is that in the ancient world, traveling was a lot more difficult and dangerous. Yes, that's very true. So if you were going a long distance from your own home you might need to seek shelter unexpectedly in a place you don't know. Mm -hmm. So having those social and cultural norms and religiously enforced mandates right. where anyone you came across would be obliged to give you at least the bare minimum of safety and shelter right. was really important to keeping people alive. Mm -hmm. So it was just like a really important pro-social thing. Whereas now, if you're going traveling somewhere, you can find a motel. Right. But over time, even in the ancient world, I think that hospitality principle probably morphed into mm -hmm. inns and places where people could stop and gather and get a meal and get a room for mm -hmm. the night. 
but they would have to pay. Exactly. You're, you're absolutely right. There was a gradual evolution. So in the ancient world, in antiquity, it was this sort of, you go to someone's house mm -hmm. and they'll take care of you. Right. In the Middle Ages, in the early Middle Ages, mm -hmm. monasteries developed these dormitories, basically, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where you could go if you were traveling and just stay free of charge in this dormitory mm -hmm. that was attached to the monastery. And the monks would like make sure you didn't die or whatever. Right, right. And you had the added bonus there of getting sanctuary, which right. there were also sanctuary, sanctuary laws, laws and, and obligations in certain cultures. Sanctuary. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Thank yep. You. One of my favorite scenes from that movie. Sometimes sanctuary isn't even an explicitly religious concept. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have to go to a church to do it. So like the Pashtun people right. have a concept that I don't remember the name of. Starts with an N. Where even if your child's murderer comes mm -hmm. to you, as long as they, with deep humility, beg for your protection, you have to give it to them. Mm -hmm. Even if it means like standing against an army interesting it, because they've thrown themselves yeah. on your mercy and, and so you have that obligation to protect them now i know like in in the middle east they had inns in bethlehem and yes. things but the question is who brought those in did the jews already have the concept of inns and places for people to, to stay when they were traveling or was that something the romans brought in with them when they occupied the territory yeah that i don't know but i do know there was yeah there was a development from yeah Expecting to just to have shelter at any person's random house to a to specific place, specific locations where travelers stayed. Right. Sometimes were attached to religious institutions where they were usually free, sometimes and sometimes political. Sometimes they were political. Yes, yeah, so you could often. One of your best bets was to go to the local lord's house. Mm -hmm. And that sort of thing actually continues well into like the Victorian era. Yes. Well, and even in England and, and in Europe, various places where they did have lords of, and they mm -hmm. had these huge lands, even though uh, the people of the towns that were on their property, mm -hmm. you know, they had to pay taxes or whatever. Yeah. The, the lord of that area was duty bound. Right. To, he was to, supposed to be the protector. He was supposed to be land. the protector. Yeah. Um, so if there was any kind of threat. All the people in the village were supposed to retreat, basically, to, to the, the Lord's house. Exactly. Where they would have sanctuary mm -hmm. and protection, supposedly. Didn't always work out that way, but that was the theory. Uh, probably depended on who the Lord was at the time. <laughs> yeah. As late as the Victorian era, because it actually, it stretched on for a good bit of time. There was this tradition among the aristocratic classes. Mm. Permanent guests. Yeah. Of, you just had a wing in your manor that was for guests. Mm-hmm. And anyone could show up, and especially in the Regency era, which is a little bit before the Victorian era, it was not polite to ask who they were or how you were supposed to know them. Think Emily Bronte. Uh-huh. People <laughs> would just show up to your house, and you would be expected to just put up with them for a couple of months. Mm -hmm. And they would just live at your expense. And very similar to Greek Xenia, the guest's job while they were in your house was to just make fun conversation, to be an entertaining companion. And so some people literally made entire lives out of traveling around to different manors, being guests there for several months, and being fun at parties. Well, that's how young ladies were connected in marriage. If they had the right breeding and whatnot, mm -hmm. they would be sent to someone's home so that they could go into they could get a connection. society parties mm -hmm. and things like that. But yeah, it was a, that was a whole job. Like, And we have actually records of a few people who were not actually aristocrats. <laughs> we can't prove who exactly they were because they told so many goddamn stories over the years. They were the grifters. The grifters of the guests, but they were still doing their job effectively. They were fun at parties, entertaining conversationalists, pretty to look at. You know, they did their job of enlivening a household and being good entertainment. They just didn't have the breeding that would technically permit them to do this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But they told their stories so entertainingly that like we have letters of people being like, I know this guy is not the Duke of wherever, but he's fun. So don't tell anyone. <laughs> So this is how the, the concept, I mean, we do have a concept throughout ancient history to, mm -hmm. to modern day of this idea of hospitality, but it, it's, it's changed over time to, and I think here in the United States, it's probably depends on where you're at and who you are. 
I think part of it in the United States in the modern day, the reason we've lost some of this hospitality concept is that we don't have tightly knit communities yeah. in the same way that you used to have to have a tightly knit community because that was mm-hmm. how you survived. Well, and to be fair, a lot of these communities, because this mm-hmm. was a Christian thing to gather in communities, a lot of communities were built around these corner churches mm-hmm. and that's where they would gather and have their meetings and all the kind of stuff. And supposedly take care of each other. Supposedly, yeah. Now, to be clear, there definitely are still some insular communities in the modern day who do this successfully. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Often they are groups of immigrants, like ethnic minorities, Mm -hmm. who live together and take care of each other because no one else is going to. Mm -hmm. But I think in the sort of broad spectrum of the United States, we've lost this concept. Well, I think we could say like the Amish probably do. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mennonites, Moravians. I mean, those are three I can think of off the top of my head. Interestingly, Mm -hmm. they all start with M. (laughs) (laughs) And two of them kind of askew a lot of the modern world. Mm -hmm. L says, also fun fact, this still goes on in some select communities in swing and blues dancing. If you go to an event in a different town, there's almost always a housing coordinator who connects out-of-town dancers with locals who give them a place to sleep and usually transportation and some amount of food. That's true. Very you see cool. the same thing in the drag community, mm-hmm. um, or at least you used to. I don't know what the drag community is like now. Back in the day in the drag community, they had houses, drag houses, a bunch of queer people basically making found families and protecting and caring for each other mm-hmm. and establishing these networks of care and community mm-hmm. that extended as, as far as they could reach with the resources they had. And I think that's actually something we need to import into the pagan community, maybe more than we do. Join our Tiger Kelly on a visit to Tree Wizard Creations, where you can find custom engraved creations for all paths. They offer unique gifts and tools for altar, home, practice, and family. In addition to their standard product range, they offer custom commissions. If you can dream it, the wizard will create it. Contact them at treewizardcreations at gmail.com, follow them on Facebook, or find them online at treewizardcreations.com. Hail Dictinus! Hail Dictinus, indeed. Set something on fire. I will set something on fire as soon as I can get it. Listen, (laughs) that's the pagan experience. That's right. There used to be a group within the Christian music community. It was actually an online site that you could go to and say, you know, you were an indie band traveling. You could go to the site and you could find people in towns that you were going to that would pick you up after the show, take you out to eat, let you stay at their house, and then take you back to your van at the end of the night. That's why we always had people sleeping on our floor when I was a kid? No, we always had people sleeping on our floor when you were a kid because I was ahead of the game. And never bothered to tell me. (laughs) Well, I didn't know they were coming home until, you know, after the show. And they're like, oh, we don't have a hotel. One thing I forgot to mention before we get into like why we should do this in the modern pagan community Mm -hmm. is so in Greek stories, especially you'll see this in the Odyssey and the Iliad, you'll see the concept of theoxenia, which is disguised deities showing up to your house as guests. Kind of like an angel arriving uh-huh. unawares. Yeah. Yes, that trope is is older than the Bible. And and this is common in, in pretty much every polytheistic religion. There is at least one story of a god disguised as a human being showing up to your house as a stranger to see how you treat guests, mm-hmm. to see if you honor guest rights and, and you perform your obligations as a host correctly. And if you do, you get treated very well. And you get blessings and rewards from the deity. And And if you don't, you get curses. Just like Samwise the Blonde is mentioned in Beauty and the Beast. Uh Exactly. Exactly. Sometimes it's a god. Sometimes it's a fair folk. Sometimes it's a witch. Someone who is not human shows up to your house expecting you to treat them like a guest. And if you don't... (laughs) There are consequences. Mischief happens. Uh Uh-huh. And that's where the sort of religious enforcement element of this sort of comes in. Even in places where there's no legal obligation to treat your guests well, there are almost always stories about the consequences of not treating a guest well and how poorly the gods will look on that. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of places, it is religiously at worst encouraged 
and sometimes mandated Mm -hmm. that you extend hospitality to basically anyone who needs it. Yeah. And uh, Rochelle says, I love this idea. And it also terrifies me. Just because someone claims to follow a pagan path doesn't mean that they wouldn't cause harm. And my instinct is to protect mine. I love to feed people, but sleeping inside the same locks requires trust especially where my kids are concerned. And I was just going to get into that in that I think in our modern era, Mm -hmm. especially like when I was a kid, you could still, your kids would still be sent outside in the, you know, go to the mall and no, you know, and everybody would trust you'd be okay. It's like when I hear about all the people who did hitchhiking in the 70s. Yeah, yeah. That was just normal in the 70s. Exactly. And and it really, you know, I my mother used to take me shopping, mm-hmm. go to the big Meyer here is what it was, Meyer Thrifty Acres. And she would go shopping and I would go to the toy department mm-hmm. and we'd meet. You know, she'd come find me mm-hmm. when, when she was done and I would go home with her, obviously. Those kind of things changed. And I'm going to bring up Adam Walsh in the in 1981 who was a child who was kidnapped in Florida from a mall because he was ushered out with a bunch of kids when his mom left him to play mm-hmm. in, you know, in the toy department. And you can almost really see it, how things started beginning to change from the eighties. People started trusting less, Yeah, started locking their doors more in the early eighties. Mm-hmm. They stopped letting their kids just go out and play in the neighborhood and come back at, at, we started at dinner ex- time. We started expecting all of our neighbors to be criminals. Yes. And Samwise the Blonde said, and Ted Bundy happened. Yeah, yeah. We became more aware of the dangers, I think. I think we became a little paranoid of the dangers. Yeah, um, I would agree. I think in some cases, certainly we have overstated the dangers, especially when you consider things like stranger danger, mm-hmm. when the vast majority of children will actually be victimized by people, people they, they already know, know mm-hmm. rather than by strangers. They're much more likely to be victimized by people in their own family or family friends. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, I think that's where we started seeing the shift. Yes, I think that I understand why it happened. Mm-hmm. I think it obscured the real dangers. Mm-hmm. I agree. But... I will say, I don't expect people to extend the kind of hospitality that was common in the ancient world in the modern day. And here's why. Mm -hmm. It's not because I don't think you should trust people. It's because we don't have that social norm. Mm -hmm. It's not socially normalized. So people don't know their rights and obligations as a guest or mm-hmm. their rights and obligations as a host. That That's not a part of people's cultural, cultural social makeup mm-hmm. anymore. If you show up to someone's house, they will not let you inside their house no. because that is not something they are culturally raised to do. Mm-hmm. Someone shows up to your house, you don't have to let them into your house because you have no reason to expect that they know how to be a good guest as a stranger. Unfortunately, that is something we have culturally lost. Mm-hmm. I don't know a way for us to regain uh, that. Yeah, regain that to mm-hmm. reinculcate that into society. No, I don't. I don't think you could at this. But that doesn't mean that smaller communities right. cannot make that a part of their cultural makeup. That's what I'm saying. I I don't think we should extend this concept of hospitality to everyone in your nation, right? I think we should try to extend this concept of hospitality in our personal pagan communities, mm-hmm. right? In our spheres, our personal spheres of influence, if you will. Exactly. If Bill L came to my house, he would be welcome. And said, my car's broken down and I don't have anywhere to stay in this city. I would expect him to stay in my house. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I know Bill. And I know Bill would behave correctly. Mm -hmm. And if someone I didn't know, but who Bill vouched for, Mm -hmm. had the same problem and came to my house and I called Bill and said, hey, do you know X person? Let me send you a photo of them. Are they cool? And Bill said, yeah, I would give that person a night in my house to sort their shit out. And that's essentially what you see in a lot of smaller communities. Like you do see that within church communities. You see that within other religious communities. You see that, as you were talking about earlier, in certain sectors of the gay community, Mm -hmm. or I should say the LGBTQ community, community. the queer community. Mm -hmm. I think you see that kind of hospitality in pockets. Mm -hmm. I think part of the reason why maybe it's not as prevalent in the pagan community is because one, um, when we started, covens were very secretive. Right. It was hard to find a coven, let alone get into one. Yes. You know, and they had 
perhaps as they grew and expanded, they would have their own network. And so mm-hmm. people from another coven that was in the same tradition. One might, that had hived off. From one them. that had hived off might be able to say, hey, I'm in, you don't know me, but I'm in so-and-so's coven. Do you know of a place I could stay or could I crash on your couch? Blah, blah. I think that would be a possibility. But we have many more solitaries in the pagan community mm-hmm. now. And so I think that's, it's some, it's a culture that we would have to work toward creating. And we would have to work a lot on the fear culture that Roshala is talking about. Mm-hmm. I understand where your fear is coming from, Roshala. Mm-hmm. I absolutely do. But I do think we need to temper that fear as much as we can without compromising our own safety. Rihanna is saying, I guess it's also a matter of the kind of people you're normally around too. Being in the punk subculture, especially the majorly queer side of it, I've seen this kind of thing a lot and have experienced receiving it a lot. But yeah, you pretty much always need someone to vouch for you. If no one really can, then you at least get a meal and a blanket to sleep on the porch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think sometimes it's not like you have to accept someone into your personal space. Right. But like there are certain things that I think we as human beings owe each other that are not necessarily easy or convenient, but it's part of being a social species, which we are. If you have no food and no way to get food and I have food, I should give you some of my food. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't give you all of my food because I too need the food, Mm -hmm. but I should give you some of my food so that neither of us is starving. And I think that's where Bill is coming from, Bill L, Mm -hmm. when he created uh, or became part of Pagans in Need and what he is trying to continue to promote and present this idea that, you know, may you never hunger, may you never thirst in a literal sense and not just as a sentence we say. Mm -hmm. Which I have a fun story about that. So may you never hunger, may you never thirst. As far as I can tell, the first time that whole phrase enters the public consciousness is uh, a novel that Starhawk wrote. Mm. Um, And she describes it as something that people in her coven say during Cakes and Ale. But May You Never Thirst, specifically, actually predates Starhawk and her coven. That comes from Robert Heinlein's Stranger in a Strange Land. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. There's There's that whole ritual they do. I offer you water, may you never thirst. So we've just took that out of Stranger in a Strange Land and added the may you never hunger part in front. And that became like a major Wiccan thing thing that you say that during Cakes and Ale. But that's where its origin is. Yeah, it comes from Stranger in a Strange Land. It has been years, like decades of years since I've read that (laughs) book. I had completely forgotten that reference. Yeah. So that's where that comes from, just as a fun aside. It's okay. I really like Robin Hood. Exactly. Yeah. And Stranger in a Strange Land is a great book if you've never read it. Yeah. Agreed. Go go read Stranger in a Strange Land. Grok, yes. Rochelle says Grok. Grok is another word that sort of entered cultural consciousness. It means to fully understand. Mm -hmm. And that is another word that comes from Stranger in a Strange Land. It's a Martian word Mm -hmm. that he invented. It means to know, to love, and to like drink, I believe. (laughs) Because those concepts are all really connected in the story there. Anyway, (laughs) that's just a fun, that's just a fun bit of trivia about may you never hunger, may you never thirst. But it is a, a phrase and a concept that the pagan community has tried to adopt. adopt. And I think it's 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 the essence of hospitality, mm-hmm. right? It's the mm-hmm. essence of community. Yeah. Taking care of each other. Yeah. And I don't think we have to like necessarily step out of comfort zones. Like, you know Oh, I think we should. Well, I'm just saying, like Roshala was saying, you know, a tent in the backyard could be a good compromise. Place made up for guests could be a place where people could go and know that they could go if they're in the area or could send a friend to if they're in the area and have no place to go. Mm-hmm. They could say, hey, stop, you know, call so-and-so. I'll vouch for you. Mm-hmm. Got a space. Swan says, don't put yourself or your family in danger. Yeah, I, yes, I agree. I'm not saying endanger yourself. I'm saying examine where your fear is coming from. Figure out how rational that fear actually is in the circumstances you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And then, yes, step a little bit outside of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll admit, um, I am a, a person that it was very difficult for me when I would wake up in the mornings mm-hmm. and walk out and there would be six 20-year-olds <laughs> laid out with blankets on our, on our floor. Because my first thought is, I have children in this home. Mm-hmm. Why are there strangers on my floor? Mm-hmm. Because my husband would forget to call me or I'd already be in bed. But... The thing is, Carr can attest to this. Carr has a, is that kind of person. He's like, come sleep on my floor. Mm-hmm. You know? I don't do it as much anymore. That's true. But it was hard for me 
And it would be a, a stretch for me to just say, yes, come in. But I agree with the concept of what he did. And when I got my head around it, I was like, yeah, okay, that's fine. This is something I need you to understand. I'm an intensely private person. I don't like having friends in my house. Yeah, that's true. I don't like anyone being in my house. Maintenance people come by and I get irritated about it. I like my space to be just mine and I do not like strangers to be in it. And I still believe that we have an obligation to provide for strangers. So the question then begs, how do we do that within the pagan community? Mm -hmm. Because that is really what we're talking about, is how do we make this concept something that is viable? And I think we need to build stronger networks. Here's the situation as it currently stands, right? Even with the internet, most of the pagans I know, I see once a year. Yeah, maybe at twice. convocation or yeah, twice for the ones who also go to Michigan Pagan Fest. I love those people, but I barely see them. Mm -hmm. We need stronger networks so that we see each other more and we're more involved in each other's lives and we can support each other when we need it. Mm -hmm. So that stuff like Stan's situation mm -hmm. where he has this huge medical bill and it's taken months for the community to get together and get enough money for him doesn't happen anymore. Right, right. It should not have taken us this long mm -hmm. to get Stan the money he needs to not die. Agreed. So we need to build stronger networks. We need to be more involved in each other's lives. We need to, frankly, care more. Yeah. And then uh, that begs the question, speaking as two people who it would right. really have to stretch. It would be out of my comfort zone. It would be out of a comfort zone. Not for car. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that is the thing. Is like, how do you do it? Now, Swan did say you do ask for help. You yes. know, that's one thing. But like, Stan asked for help. Yeah, he did. Months ago. This GoFundMe has been around. For months. For yeah. months. It's true. He's asked. It's been shared by people. We talked about it before. And it still took this long for us to get $5,000. And a special event. Yeah, where people were getting things for themselves because it was an auction. One of the things that we talked about last or the other night when we did the auction was, you know, you go to a lot of these kind of auctions at pagan events and that kind of stuff. You know, the majority of people bid five, ten bucks. Mm -hmm. You know, luckily we had people last night that bid significantly more than that for things. Yeah, mm -hmm. who were really generous. Right. <laughs> Some of them were us. <laughs> yes. But it was... I just think, especially like when we go to a pagan, so if it's convocation, for instance, you've already paid for con, mm -hmm. you've already paid for hotel, and then you've got to eat. So I get that where this was, everybody came to a one-time thing. So maybe those kind of things need to happen in a different place right. than a convocation, but that requires us getting together more often. Yeah. We started Communitas Paganas Valhalla February, I think is when I started it back up there. Yeah, I think so. I may have had a total of 10 people come in. A lot of people talk about it and they want to come in, but then they don't. We had a lot of that at the Grand Rapids one too, which was right. more mm -hmm. successful. Mm -hmm. But still, there would be a lot of, you'd get someone once and then they would never come back. Right. It's hard to build a community around that. Right. Our tiger, Jim Two Snakes, has spent much of the past three decades providing spiritual and emotional support for individuals that are looking for accountability, wisdom, and safe supportive space where they can discover how to walk their own path. Jim is now offering his spiritual dad service and a Patreon structure. This informal program includes regular contact with Jim and specific guidance on what's going on in your life right now. Along with a talking stick monthly meeting for some levels, and regular phone calls ranging from one to four times a month at other levels. Jim will help you with goal setting, ritual and energetic practice ideas, teaching, suggestions, support, and accountability in whatever it is that you want to accomplish. And because it's your path, he will adapt his suggestions to suit what works best for you. It's called Spiritual Dad, but there's no age limit. We all need spiritual and emotional support. To find out more, Visit jimtwosnakes.net or patreon.com forward slash spiritual dad. Hail Dictinus. Hail Dictinus. Set more things on fire. More fire. So Rhiannon Gray says, I wish there was some kind of social media that wasn't already filled with toxic shit slash wouldn't be easily corrupted by it. Having some kind of dedicated place for specifically pagan people like us to openly talk and communicate would seriously help build the network we're talking about. 
anything I can think about that kind of worked is long gone with the downfall of small forums. Yeah. There mm-hmm. used to be, what was it called? Shit. Witch Fox? Yes. Witch Fox. There used to be Witch Fox, which was which is basically voice. that. They had articles. People would write little articles for it. Predominantly, it was a way to find out what other pagans and pagan groups were in your area and to communicate and build connections. And meet up. and Set up meets and, and little tiny local mm. events and, and shit like that. Witch Vox died, unfortunately. They um, lost support. Yeah, exactly. They they couldn't afford to keep running. But I mean, so. Solanox, isn't that what Solanox is wanting to build? Weavers it's an of ATC, the Web? yeah. Weavers of the Web, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's an Aquarian Tabernacle Church. <laughs> yeah. Weavers of the Web. Yeah, those, those sorts of ventures are ongoing. Mm-hmm. And I think, I, I do think those are going to be critical. And especially Samwise the Blonde is saying, in response to Swan, who was asking if churches are better at pulling community because there's a common space. Samwise says, I was thinking of the same thing earlier. They have literal buildings, not to mention usually more resources because tax breaks and tithing and whatnot. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Churches, I think, and synagogues and temples mm-hmm. and whatnot. Major religious institutions. Major religious institutions. They have already got the, the, the infrastructure. They've got the infrastructure already built up mm-hmm. and created so that they can do this. That's centuries worth of in- infrastructure of dominance. and dominance that allows them to do that. So yeah, it's harder for those of us who have left major religions, mm-hmm. come into something that is not structured. Yeah. You know, that's that's one of the things that we praise about paganism is that it is not structured, but it does have its weaknesses in trying to build communities and bring us together. I think what we need to do, and I don't know how to do this personally because I'm not very versed in it, but I know there are some people in our Discord who are, hope you're listening, is we need to take notes from anarchist movements. Anarchist movements are very, very good at building small-scale communities that support each other. That's Mm -hmm. sort of their whole deal. Small-scale community building. And since it's very unlikely, let's just acknowledge out front, Mm -hmm. it's very unlikely that we'll get all of paganism together to collaborate on one great big community building project, what we're left with is building strong, small communities. Yep, smaller networks. That live under the big pagan umbrella, mm-hmm. right? We still need to all, we, we need all those small communities to stay connected to each other as pagans yep. and for those small communities to support each other as they're able to. Mm-hmm. But we need to build small individual communities. Mostly these are going to be local to your area, which means you are going to have to go out and find the people in your space, which I know is hard, but it can be done. We've talked about it before. But I think that's the only way we're going to make this work is building strong, small, local communities that are tightly interwoven, that are really in and involved in each other's lives because we don't have the infrastructure to do the big work. Right. Like Swan was saying, we need to buy a church? Question mark? Mm-hmm. No. No. Honestly. We, we don't and we can't. Because we don't have those kind of resources. Yeah. We don't have those kind of resources to maintain. Like I really admire Solanox's desire to, mm-hmm. to you know, to get a space and have a building and, and things like that. Getting the money, first of all, to either acquire or bu- build or whatever, a building like that. But then it takes money to run and facilitate it. Yep. And that's hard. That's very, very hard. So I, I think you're right. These need to be smaller organic groups, mm-hmm. you know, that yes, do meet more than once a year yep. <laughs> um, and are not necessarily, it's kind of, it's like a coven structure. Right. But it needs to not be, it needs to not be coven specifically it's not coven because specifically. those are tradition bound. Yeah. Like I, as a heathen don't want to only support my local heathens. Yeah. I want to support all my local pagans yep. and my local atheists and my local Satanists mm-hmm. and my local, you know, whoever needs it. Right. Mm-hmm. I'll support a local Christian if they come to me and they need it. Yeah, that's, that's one thing about pin is like, it doesn't matter. Exactly. Right. There's no ask. Yeah, it's called Pagans in Need, but they don't ask who you are. They just give you what yep. you need. It's called Pagans in Need because it's mostly supported by pagans. Exactly. And it is partly to address the food insecurity in the pagan community. Correct. The reason I think 
we need to build these small communities that aren't covens, that maybe contain covens. Sure, absolutely. But we need to build these small communities that aren't covens is partly because covens are tradition bound and we don't want to be tradition bound with right. this. And also because solitaries need to be involved in these communities. Mm-hmm. You can be like a solitary witch or a solitary heathen or whatever, have your personal religious practice mm-hmm. and still be part of your local pagan community. Mm-hmm without sacrificing the fact that you're religiously a solitary. Yeah, and I think we have a tendency, when we get into small groups, we have a tendency to be restricted. Mm-hmm. You know, we we don't let outsiders in. Years ago, when yep. we first started talking about the podcast, we talked about a group. We tried to go to we this group. We tried to go to this group, and we were not welcome. It was, even though it was a public event, and they mm-hmm. said, come, come. They were we, in a park. They were in a park. We were not welcome, and we could feel that we weren't welcome. Mm-hmm. That's something that we need to get past. And um, be able to welcome people regardless of whatever path they are, if they're solitaries, if they're in a coven, whatever, because this is about building small little clusters, clusters of pagans who can then create a wider group. And Mm -hmm. when, you know, so when you have a big event, Mm -hmm. everybody can come together and share ideas and support each other in that moment, in that big space. Right. But in the meantime, you have that local community Mm -hmm. Who is there to help each other out and just be friends. Yep. And sometimes that's doing a candle spell for somebody. Sometimes it's giving them some shit from your garden. Sometimes it's cleaning their house because they're depressed and they can't. Sometimes it's literally just being in the same space as them for half an hour, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be big gestures. Sometimes it's really the little simple stuff you can do for each other that keeps someone going. Swan says, trees are connected to each other under the soil. Even to the bushes and weeds in the forest are connected to each other. Exactly. Or you get into like mycelium. Mm -hmm. Um, One mushroom is really just an extension of a vast underground organism. Trees talk to each other in the forest. One beech tree releases Mm -hmm. certain pheromones that tell all the other beech trees in the forest to up their level of certain toxins so that the beavers don't get them. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful network of communication. Exactly. And humans need to adopt the same Mm -hmm. style. Well, and, you know, we are disconnected. You know, that's the big thing that we've talked about before. We're disconnected from nature. Mm -hmm. We're disconnected from each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of times we're disconnected from spiritual, you know. Yeah, and from ourselves. And from ourselves. We're Um, so caught up in the grind of capitalism. mm -hmm. And what's going on in in our individual lives. And, you know, and I get it. We can't, you know, not everybody can can afford to to give money to someone or, or whatever. But that's not necessarily what's required when you're helping someone. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying sometimes it can be as simple as give someone your company for half an hour. Mm-hmm. Go out for coffee. Like just let them know you exist and care about them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that makes a huge difference. And I know that's hard and I know that stretches out a lot of us who are, mm-hmm. are introverted. Yeah, I can compl- listen, I get it. I don't like doing things or meeting people either, but that's part of being human sometimes is doing things you don't like doing, right? Or that you don't think you'll like doing. I can't tell you how many times I've been like, ugh, I don't want to do X. And then when I actually go and do X. It's pretty great. It's a good time. Mm-hmm. Well, that happens to me a lot. Too. Yeah, but then the second time it comes up, you don't want to do it again. Either. Exactly. Even though I know I had a good time last time. Yep. But my my first response is always, no, I don't want to do the thing. But if I go yeah. and do the thing, it will be a good time. Mm-hmm. I will enjoy it. And this sounds like a huge, huge task. But it really does begin with creating a community with the pagans you know you know yep Yep. you can change the world by doing little things for your people Mm -hmm. and that shit just blooms yeah right it just extends outward it ripples out into the rest of the world but it doesn't happen if you just focus on you it has to be people outside your house. Exactly. But I've been saying that about in uh, what you were saying. I've been saying that about environmentalism Mm -hmm. for years. It's little things that you do and you teach your kids and, and, you know, you teach, you do for other people. It's, it does create a ripple effect. And it's the same thing, like what you were saying, if you do things within your community Mm -hmm. with people, you know, and then it grows from there and from there. And if you don't just hold it to yourself, you Mm -hmm. can make changes. You can build something. And I think we can. Like, I'll confess, I have not been going to Communitas Paganis. <laughs> the couple of times I went, it was kind of weird and awkward. Mm-hmm. I had a hard time. So I'm sitting here going, how can I make this a better experience, perhaps? I thought, you know, Witches Night Out, the traditional Witches Night Out, mm-hmm. they have speakers, they have 
events, they mm-hmm. have activities or whatever. Doesn't mean we can't figure out something like that. Mm-hmm. It could be something as simple as that. Yes. But I, I'm not, let me, let me be clear. I'm not here saying let's brainstorm what we as three pack can do. No, no, no. Or even what we as the three pack community can do mm-hmm. to like solve the problem. I'm saying it does need to be like ground level. Oh yeah. It's a grassroots thing. Yeah, exactly. It's a grass. And that's what I'm, we're just talking about, okay, well, if we're going to be grassroots, we need to be part of the grass. What we're doing is encouraging you Mm -hmm. to go out and create your own little grassroots outside of three pack. Exactly. That draws in other people into your little grassroots community group. And it may take a while Mm -hmm. and you may have some discouraging. You know, it might be discouraging and you might only only have one or two people, Mm -hmm. but it's a start. And don't be afraid to extend it beyond paganism. You know, make a community garden in your area, especially if you have an area with food insecurity. Put up one of those little community libraries, whatever. Like, do whatever you can to enrich your community, your neighborhood, Mm -hmm. the people you live around and have to deal with. And do what we also need to guard against is making it a click. Mm -hmm. Let new people in. Here's something that always used to frustrate me when I went to churches was greeters. But maybe we need greeters. (laughs) Pagan greeters. Uh Uh-huh. Sure, it's weird and awkward when some random you've never heard of comes up to you and is like, hi, let me tell you about the blah, blah, blah. But it is better than getting the cold shoulder from everyone there. Mm -hmm. So maybe we need to consider that. But you know who did that for us? Bill. It was Bill. It was Bill L. Yep. He, we, we met him and he started introducing us to everybody. Everyone. That was what Bill did for us. Yep. And then he reckon- We would not have gotten uh, as involved in the pagan community as we have. Exactly. If we hadn't met Bill very early on. And then he recognized us at MPF, mm-hmm. Michigan Pagan Fest. And he continued. Yep. <laughs> when and, he began. And you want to know. At convocation a few months earlier. A very typical hospitality thing that Bill did at our first Michigan Pagan Fest. Uh-huh. Carr had to leave me there alone to go pick up Gwyn. Because I had to work. She had to work. Carr and I went there early. He left me there. And then he had to go back to Grand Rapids to pick up Gwyn. So I was alone at Michigan Pagan Fest, a place I had never been before, around strangers I had never met, for several hours. But Bill knew me and literally was my escort through Michigan Pagan Fest. I just stuck by Bill. He protected me and took care of me and made sure I felt safe and that I knew where the food was and everything. Bill took care of me for hours at my first Michigan Pagan Fest, barely knowing me. He performed picture-perfect Xenia for me. Mm -hmm. He protected me and gave me shelter so that I felt safe in a strange environment. That's the kind of pagan hospitality we need. Exactly. Be more like Bill. Be like Bill. That's going to be our new slogan. Be like Bill. (laughs) BLB. And time for another (laughs) t-shirt. Absolutely. (laughs) Be fucking hospitable. Yeah. But no, that that is exactly what we we do need. And that, you know, and I know some people are going to be like, but I can't pick one person. I tend to be, I'm, as my husband knows, I'm very (laughs) much an introvert. I'm very uncomfortable in public situations. But you also have mom energy. But I do have mom (laughs) energy. And if I see someone... Who I feel like, hey, that person needs someone to go over there and talk to them. Mm -hmm. That's what I'll do. Or I'll invite them to come sit at the table Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. It's hard for me. It's very hard for me because I'm I'm an introvert. But I have learned. Step out of your comfort zone. It's step out your comfort zone. Embrace the mom energy that I have. (laughs) But also it's been married to Carr for 33 years. I've learned. I've picked up a few tips from him. Just go talk to people. So yeah. So it's hard. Folks, I know it. I know you introverts out there are going, but, but it's valuable, but it's valuable. And you do not know how you may be helping someone. Mm -hmm. You may really, truly be helping someone and you would never know. All right, Carl, will you leave us out? You've been listening to Three Pagans and a Cat. You can find us everywhere on the internet that the internet exists. Pretty much. If you can't find us there, you can go to Google, which then knows where we are all the time, pretty much. Almost literally. So feel free to do that. Yeah, that's that's the whole gist, basically. Okay. Yep, that sums it up. That pretty much is the worst thing that I've ever done, but that's okay. I got confused. <laughs> there, was, there was so much excitement and enthusiasm in that, but yeah. So Bye. yeah. Bye. I, I'm, allowed, I'm allowed to turn off the thing. And remember, be like Bill. Be like Bill. Be like Bill. Be like Bill.